Welcome to the AR Bookshelf, a podcast by the Architectural Review. Founded in 1896, the AR has set the international architecture agenda for over 120 years. The AR Bookshelf is very simple. We ask each guest to put books on an imaginary bookshelf and tell us their story. My name's Eleanor Beaumont. I'm Deputy Editor at the Architectural Review. And I'm the editor, Manon Mollard. And our guests for this podcast are Ricardo Flores and Eva Prats, founders of Flores and Prats. Based in Barcelona and formed in 1998, Flores and Prats are perhaps best known for Sala Beckett, a theatre carefully choreographed within the shell of an old cooperative social club and famously recreated at the Venice Biennale in 2018. In the AR's New Into Old issue earlier this year, the theatre was described as highly painstaking architecture, time and memory artfully interwoven into the theatre's fabric like threads in a cloth. Time and slowness is something of a theme in the work of Flores and Prats. The Castle Balaguer in Palma de Mallorca, designed with Dutch Pizarre, took 20 years to come to fruition and was described in AR March 2019 as simultaneously ancient and eternally youthful. Most recently, the pair won the competition with West Architecture to reimagine the Ancien Théâtre de Variété in Brussels. As they once said about Sala Beckett, the challenge of the project is to adapt the building to its new use without banishing its ghosts. Floris and Pratt are no stranger to bookmaking either, editing and writing publications about John Hayduk, the spaces of Dutch painting and Pompeii, as well as their own work. They have both written PhD theses and a book about Sala Beckett was published earlier this year and is available now. You're well known for your beautiful hand drawings, kind of a dying art in in this time of kind of digital image making. Um, but perhaps we could start with the book that you have open on your drawing board. Mm. Well, it's in the drawing board somewhere here. <laughs> It's actually on the drawing board. It's, it's a big, big book. Remember this one? Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very uncomfortable to look at, yes. but because you have to open this way. But it's very, it's very interesting because you, so you always uh, have to find out. You no? have the different projects, and what happens? But you, you know it. It comes from an exhibition, so I think it's it comes the from an exhibition in in Eteha in Zurich long, long ago in the sixties, I think. Oh no, in the, sorry, in the seventies. After after uh, Khan's death, and uh, what is interesting, what we're saying is that see the drawings are not not always the last the last ones. They are he's showing all the process, and this is very useful because um, when you are working in a in a project, see how you can see all the the sketches and the drawings, the in between material that he's been doing, uh, so all the dots. And all the kind of um, I know in English, but all when he's drawing a lot, a lot in with the, his because he's doubtful or something. So the drawings are some, sometimes very dirty, but are mm. are the one like the ones that you are doing. So in a way, it's helpful to see the process he's turning and then he changes solution and he continues and he now he puts the entry the entryway in the other place and then they open the open plaza again. So he's moving with the process until he arrives to a solution. And still, the drawings are very doubtful. So it's a very open uh, open document, which we are more interested because when otherwise, if you see the project finished only, it's difficult to know why he did this solution or the other. 
But when you see all the process that where he arrived, you can enter to participate in this process pro process of of design, and then it's more easy for you to enter to 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 his mind and see why things are this way and not in another way, because he shows you all the doubts and the and the and the uncertainty and the mm. steps back and forth and everything. So we feel in a, in a way you open up one of these pages, which are very big. And you leave them open for a while near where you are drawing. And sometimes even if they are not directly linked to what you are drawing or some PCBs, but they're, they're some, it's very inspiring because all these kind of um, leave open and finished drawings are in a way for us very inspiring, are like the ones we are we are doing, and of course, not this quality of project, but the kind of drawing is the one, like the ones we are doing, so. What do you think that these kind of, um, these unfinished drawings, these drawings you describe as kind of full of, of doubt um, and uncertainty and chance, what, what, um, what do those kind of drawings show that perhaps more formalised kind of presenta presentation drawings don't? Mm -hmm. Well, look uh, for the, the unfinished drawing. For me, represents more the, the the thoughts that you have on something because the thoughts are never finished, are never complete. You think on something, are and there are these moments that you have a kind of an image of what may be the project, but it's a fragment. It's not the complete project. It's not the complete thing. And I like very much that this fragmentary drawing, which represents the fragmentary. Um, way of thinking of, of, of the project. So, and leave the other the ends more uh, open if you don't know what's coming next, you leaving it, leaving it more more incomplete. So it's able to co to continue to plug to other things. I think they, in a way probably, I think they, for me, they communicate much more what's the work of an architect. So if you show this to someone, and it, I think it's my understanding that it's easy, it's easy to engage with other people when you show an unfinished drawing and the other one knows what you're talking about, and but it can be still open. So also someone else can talk participate. and participate and the drawing also will be different next week. It really shows that you know, someone's hand is searching for something, the doubt is there and the conversation is more open. When you print and you show and the, it's so clean and there are no traces of doubt, like in these drawings, there are darker parts, probably the conversation is not so easy to engage. And because we work very much with the conversations to the clients, we really need them to participate in this the doubt, process full of doubts. Mm. That's also why we need, for us, it's more effective. Yeah, it's more a conversation material to, to than, uh, than uh, something that is yeah. closed, no? And it happens the same in the school with us, in the academics. Uh, we start, when we came back to, to the school in Barcelona, there was all computer drawings. And in fact, it took us a while, some months, to realize that there was no real conversation going on because the drawings were not good enough and were full of lines. And... In a hand drawing, there are no lines. No one thing is the pavement, the other one is the wall. And suddenly the conversation in the class was much more fluent. And we thought, wow, that was kind of... <laughs> so we started to, to work, by, to by ask hand. the students to work by hand. Since mm -hmm. then, we, we do our our teaching courses by hand. And you feel, and you understand much more the, their personality is reflected in the drawings because they are 
they are insisting in some points more than others because they have the doubt or they are interested in something and the unbalanced character of some people and all this richness in the character is reflected in the hand drawing. Because in a way, when we were confronted with the academics and we decided, okay, let's go to hand drawing, in a way, you start realizing that the computer is a machine, that it's, um, it's a tool, very, very great tool, for sure. We use it a lot, but in other step, in other moments, but uh, not to reflect. So in a way, how this productive uh, world is completely uh, driving our minds. And the students need to learn by computer. And if you don't know computer, you won't find any job. It's kind of worries that you think, but we have to start first. We have to think and to reflect, and we have to have the tools around us that help us. And probably the pencil is more useful than a computer and more intuitive. So, and you realize how much when you are confronted with education, how much the mechanization and the industrial process are into our minds without noticing, and it's something that we need to be disintoxicated. It's quite rare to see all these process drawings, um, like mm -hmm. the ones you were just showing us in the Louis Kahn book. And I think it's something that architects tend to hide and to keep to themselves. And the idea of presenting and showing a project is much more about the finite drawings. And um, I'm just thinking even in publications or even in exhibitions, those kind of thinking through drawing and those process sketches are usually kept private and kept hidden. And I'm wondering if you think we're losing out by not making them a bigger part of the conversation, even of a more open and a more public conversation. Because actually, as you say, it's where a lot, it's where the work of the architect really resides, is where you can really understand the thinking process and how a building comes together. So do you think they should be made more visible in books, in exhibition walls, in architecture schools? Sure, in books. Yeah, well, sure. look, this is where when you see a process drawings from some architect shown in a gallery or in an exhibition. Or in this book of Louis Kahn. Uh, for example, but Arvaro Sisa tends to show all his materials. There are some architects who show, and then you get much more into this, um, because it's the real world of the, of the of the person who spends hours and and, uh, and days and months in the crisis and the moments of uh, going back or not uh, to a solution. Uh, all these kind of moments of creative moments are the, the joy of our work. And, uh, and it's really what fills our hours every day. And, and then, uh, in a way, they are, the drawings are the, the um, register, the record of all these hours and time that we've been spending on the drawing board and, and reflecting on something and the, and the lateral things that are on this something sometimes and the other things that are around and etc. All these drawings around the drawing, all these other reflections that your mind or your head is doing, jumping from other things. So all the uh, the, the things that is happening in your head through this time is reflected on this in these pieces of paper and for us are the ones who, who really are um, making evidence of what you've been um, passing through the creative process. So for us, it's the, the, rich, the richness or the richer part of our work even. Nothing um, I understand as the work of an architect, you know, what you do. So I try to draw <laughs> any kind of uh, program or <clears throat> program comment or weather response, whatever it is, and try to make a drawing that collects all of this. And this is not direct, you know, it needs to be cooked. And yeah, I think this hand drawing, they show it. The other one is like, if the solutions appear, 
and the solutions I think don't appear. You build them with the with the client, yeah, with a lot of conversations with a lot of uh, different people. That's what we try to do in the Biennale with the Sala Vecchia. We're trying to show why things came to be that, that way, collecting all the process, because we thought that for some people um, it's interesting to see why things came to be that way. And then... Um, it's interesting that not all architects do that. That I was thinking of the Biennale exhibition around Sala Beckett and your decision to show all the drawings, because I think a lot of architects would... It's like would not want to show them, you know, they tried to keep some of the magic or the mystery as to like, you know, the kind of the creative genius and how something comes about and and kind of hide potential influences or references that might have like helped them get to the sort of final building. Mm. So I think it's quite interesting to see that it's not not the majority at all mm. that are willing to open up. Mm. Do you think that. If you show the process, you show a secret. Mm. I think a yeah. bit, yeah. I think people, it's like, you know, it's like the recipe, you know, of something that... But, but, it, but I mean, it's like the... Thinking that we, <clears throat> probably we are not interested in, in working through recipes or, or, or strategies. We are working through the, um, yeah, discovering the project as it comes and the, the different uh, moments. So every project is different. And so the time in the evolution is uh, is very important. We don't have a kind of a kind of a instant instant uh, solution, and I think that makes a big difference because then when we show the process, we are showing the project. The project is process for us. Uh, we are interested in the doubt, in the in the moment in between someone asks you to do something, and then. And then when and then all the time that comes afterwards. So in the doubt, in the fear, in the uncertainty, all that is what interests us. So, but I think it's also um, like a courage to almost like you're talking about secrets. It's this courage to expose the secrets. It's a courage to expose the process, to be generous with that process, and that isn't something you get with. Um, a lot of architects, a lot of architects, it's like, ta-da, here's the final thing. It's the immaculate conception. It came out of nowhere. There was no mess. There were no thrown away models. There were no tantrums. There were no tears. It all just came so easily and naturally. And I think it's through, I suppose, through Louis Kahn's drawings, but also through your own drawings that you you see the decisions, the conversations, the kind of the the frustrations at some points, the kind of moments of clarity, it's all expressed in those drawings. Mm-hmm. I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also, um, you were already talking about um, teaching, and it might be a nice moment to move on to the next book, which is um, the book that you would give to an architecture student. Uh, I think I would get the the obra completa of, well, yeah, the complete works of Le Corbusier that we also have here around it's very nice to look at that you have all his all his work in 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 this no and it's it's fantastic because you always go there and uh, it's very uh, very easy to access no but in fact yeah well, well I think it's um yeah it's very beautiful book I will show all these this. pages are really nice but also I'm thinking that it took me a while when I was studying architecture to really, <clears throat> I was looking at these books at the library um, because teachers were talking about Le Corbusier and I thought, okay, let's um, let's look. And I was going through them the you know, whole afternoon. It was much more easy for me to look uh, artist books than architects, I mean, maybe at the third year of, the, of my studies. 
I was already able to to read the geometry of these walls and then Le Corbusier, it's so beautiful, the plants. The way you um, talk about this book, it's um, it's as much its content as the way that it's been put together, the way that the plans yes. and the drawings are on a page with the images um, and the text. What do you think architects can learn or what what is important about the way that a page is put together and the way it's communicated and the way that text works with drawings and with images? Yes, uh, we think everything gets orchestrated now because it's information and then how you give it. Now it's graphic, there are letters, so how you compose them and how, how much you read. Yes, I think the... The, the rhythm of this book, because it has so much uh, wide, and sometimes you, you don't read much and you read more, but all the wide in between, even the, the letters and how it gets also inside the drawings, makes it very, I always find it kind of a calm uh, book. It's like every book when you start, it has a rhythm. I like very much the rhythm of this one, because it's this double uh, A4, almost horizontal, with Le Corbusier himself, who put them together. And I think it's like this double lettering has a, but I think the Corbusier was great and in propaganda, no? we just passed the pavilion of, mm. uh, of Street mm-hmm. Nouveau. And it's incredible no? that the poster is the same house from the outside mm. here. And it's great. The change of graphics, this air in the, in the buildings no? somehow like you can make maybe a, a, a parallel with the air that goes all around the the book if the white part was air, no? But also, for example, the letter to the client that you show oh. to Ms. Mayer, I think, later, she shows you, speaking about process and showing one's uh, process, he's explaining everything here. He explains the letter he did, the drawings she, he added to the letter, and, and then you see the project there. But then... He explains you, you have to be also explain your work well or how you explain to others that are not in your, to your discipline, which is the material you prepare, how are the steps you show to someone who you want to introduce to your project, etc. That's a lesson as well for a student. Is Also, you have to learn to write or to explain. You have to learn to make drawings not only for architects, but for people which is not in the is not educated as an architect. And, and so I think these these two pages, for example, are a whole lesson of architecture if you look at it carefully. Mm. But also the the fact that he edits the book. I don't know how you think. What do you think about uh, being editors yourself? <laughs> but the word that the architect t- takes the decision at certain point to edit himself uh, is is an important decision because he thinks I want to to control how I show my work. In a, certain, in a certain moment. There's a lot, many other publications, but this is the one he considers um, the one that, which explains best uh, all the relationship between the things, the, the, the necessary drawings, the no more or less than the necessary ones, and the images that he thinks represents the best, and so on. So in a way, that's already kind of a decision as well. It's like building by building the history, mm-hmm. no? It's his mm-hmm. living history, uh, before he dies, and he's, he's like his uh, will, in a way, yeah. Well, I wondered if we could talk about uh, T.S. Eliot, because um, oh. your your work is concerned with the, the handling of time 
um, the manipulation of time. Um, and like, it's almost another material for you. So like, as well as timber or paint or metalwork, there's also time as one of your materials. Um, and, um, that you've said to me before, Eva, you know, we have, we have the right to heritage. Um, and that the kind of most recent intervention is just one layer on top of many and is only the latest layer there'll be many more so perhaps you could talk to us about uh, the book that has helped you to understand time and history mm. well, well Elliot says is, is, uh, we, we uh, always come back to this article with, because it is in the in the sacred wood the the book uh, the secret wood, he includes uh, tradition and the individual, individual talent, which is this uh, art, this essay where he speaks that the, um, that the re really the the work the creative work has to include all the the past, um, not only in the pastness sense of the past, but also as a contemporary uh, in in its presence uh, sense as well. So you when you when you are working, you have to include all would have came after you and 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 everything every time that you make a new a new um, kind of ensemble has to has to incorporate uh, what have, have happened there before so your hand is one more in a way of all this this time accumulated so when you draw you're not only drawing what you have in front of you but you're drawing all what has happened uh, there or into your mind or in, 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 the, in what you think that has affected the place before. Uh, in a way, looking the past uh, to, to, to be able to do the future uh, of this, this place. And I was thinking in this um, uh, thing that Ellie was mentioning of the right to inherit that we start you know, using this mm -hmm. expression when dealing with existing buildings. Because it's true that uh, inherit or how you say the, the word herencia, the word the substantive. Yeah. It's, it's an issue, no? it's an issue in families, but it's an issue also for us as a society, you know, what you do with all this heritage. And then <clears throat> when we start working, we're in our context, you know, we realized that there was a way of understanding it as um, this was there, not the others before, that came before, and this is us now, and we have to kind of reinterpret something. And we thought this was a way, a sad way of pushing things of another time away from you. And and then kind of, that's what we started thinking, okay, the way we will deal with this, you know, we, it's tried to to really to, to understand it with the kind of a vital um, attitude. This is why the, the clients are so useful for us, because when we visit the building with the clients and the, the owners, sometimes, they have comments to make that are not related to history. So they see the rooms and the use they will have in them without thinking that this world will be of this age and this other world will be new. And as if they were not able to make a Unitarian room. No? Instead, they, they talk very lively. No? They, we are thinking that we will organize the kitchen here or that the theater will be in this space. Right? So uh, this was very useful for us because they were, in a way, they were the first ones who had this right to inherit everything we will come here and sometimes architects with your discipline maybe you are used to kind of to have this uh, episode of history and 
is like if we are we cannot get into a unitarian episode of the history of the building and deal with it you know, and kind of inherit it completely and being responsible of it completely like the new user will be and then when you draw it you also try to draw it uh, completely and in this way we also say we work without distance it means without distance of time so you have to kind of work with an idea of a more um, yes uh, thick thickness of time uh, how you get a building how you draw it all and you when you are drawing it after a few days, you don't know what was existing and what's yours, or you, even you know it. You deal with the land, with the drawing the same way. You know, the old wall and the new one makes a continuity and enclose a room. Mm. But also, when you draw it so much, uh, and then you understand it, and you get you it gets you get to it, and it's yours, and then you can uh, <clears throat> really bring it forward. You can uh, modify, and you can make it useful again by understanding its uh, qualities and its uh, possibilities, no? and then enhancing them and bringing new mm -hmm. things into it. I think that's that's something that for us is, uh, is rehabilitation. No? It's um, thinking that things that the history is not frozen, the ruins are not frozen, that they should be part of the of the everyday um, use again if they if we want to respect them, we think we respect them more touching them than leaving them untouched. Because you're saying you are useful and again, what do you want to be? And the ruin will tell you, <laughs> I want to be bricks. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so but in a way, I think it's, uh, it's more respectful to use them, to touch them, to make them happy again mm. and part of the project and uh, and be uh, and not being a kind of a, a waste um, on the back of the people who is. In is coming there again, but being part of the thing that can be touched and can be used and can be uh, lived, etc., is not something that is like overwhelming you because mm. if it's overwhelming you, it's something that doesn't allow new life to happen there. So, when uh, when making them participant uh, with a lot of respect, you are you are, uh, because you know what what goes what are the, those qualities of material, of scale, or etc., layers and all. I think you are you are making it more more um, yeah you are making them happy this, the place no. Mm. <laughs> I think it's quietly um, kind of radical what you're saying because obviously a kind of traditional approach to and any kind of historic fabrics so are not necessarily um, like a listed building but any kind of old mm -hmm. building is the idea is that respect is to freeze it and to leave it alone and to not touch mm. it but instead you you can invite that old older fabric into a new life mm -hmm. rather than kind of freezing it and um and as you say kind of like leaving it out in the cold not mm -hmm. asking it what it wants to be it just has to stay the same yeah um can we move on to the book you reread again and again uh, which is uh let me see the uh, Giacometti portrait Ah, yes, ah, this one. Ah, it's very nice. It's wonderful because it's, it's short. It's something you read in a sitting in a, in a kind of a long afternoon or something. For me, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in, in, um, in reading how people I admire, we admire, spend their days. How, because we, how we spend our days and really struggling about the problems and the things or enjoying them, but at the same time suffering from them. Uh, and then I like very much to see 
if uh, how other people have passed through this process, the creative process, and then you can see how Giacometti uh, was really, um, I don't know, yeah, uh, pa uh, have panicking sometimes, and he was thinking in suicide. He speaks about that, of course, and thinking about uh, leaving the painting for for good, uh, and then stopped about uh, ch uh, cheating the people. He says, or, or uh, all these kind of things. He's not able to paint. He's not able to do anything. He cannot do what he cannot a trap in the painting what he's in front of his eyes. And it's many times all these kind of, uh, the, not depressions, let's say, but kind of um, discouraging moments that you pass through when you are working and you you see that you cannot do what you really want to do. You, it's difficult to draw it and have to capture the space and to make the space so special as you think it should be. Uh, all, all these kind of uh, moments of uh, yeah, panic or in the, the, is, uh, uh, are with all of these people have passed through them and, and they've been... And it's very, really, very beautifully written, and uh, and the joy he he uh, and the kind of the positive uh, attitude he comes out after every every day. He thinks, well, we but anyway we have we have achieved something today, even if it looks that we've been back, we've really been forward, which is something that of course always happens when you think you are you're undoing things, and really because you are testing things and you realize that that is not the way, and then but at least doing it, you realize that that is not the way, and you you come back. And unless you tested that, and then you go for another way, and all these kind of uncertainties and, and doubts of the creative process are, for me, is very grateful and very, um, uh, I know, makes me feels better when I think that other people are suffering also, and uh, that you are in a company in history, a company in history by many, so many people, and in a way. Uh, you are not the the only one which is passing and, that moment. And one thing is that the book is full of papers because Ricardo, like three weeks ago, gave a talk to the students in at ETH uh, about all this uncertainty and suffering and thinking of suicide. <laughs> and I think they were scared. I think they, they, there was no questions at the end, you know. No. I say, they are three there for your master's students. And I said, you know, this is what will happen to you all the time through all your career. It's not something that is only to you now because you don't know, because you're a student. <laughs> But, but so was, I, I thought I thought maybe I discouraged them forever. But it was a nice talk because we were making parallels of what the af one afternoon of portrait of James Lore by yeah, Giacometti and the studio and the struggling. Mm. I find it very nice, but I think they were. They were probably they were. The suicide they were. Uh, part was a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> um, perhaps it's time for a fun one. Um, <laughs> what uh, what uh, book cover um, would you have on your wall? Right. Yeah. You mean learning from Las Vegas? Or? Yes. It's a, the book, in a way, is talking a lot about flat, uh, the powerful of flat uh, objects. No? So I thought it's a the book. The flatness of the, uh, the flatness, uh, yes, of the strip in Las Vegas and how information makes you act and the powerful uh, of adver flat advertising. So that I find it also very baroque, the flatness no? and the silhouettes. So... I, I, I think it's, uh, it would be nice. It would be a poster that re reflects what the book is about. So it's, uh, the book is about posters. So when you have it, it's like it, it's, it won't be very much the book itself, in a way. Mm. It will be the poster. Mm. When you design the covers for your, well, for the, for the books that you have been 
a part of? What do you think of when you're designing those covers? Mm. Huh. We are not yes. very good in that. <laughs> <laughs> we have one here, no? This one. No, this one? Yeah, well, but this, uh, I yeah. don't remember how we arrived to this. Such an issue. Well, it, it could go from one end to the other, and then no? I think how it will look like this. Yeah, but we yeah, like that, uh, that you can open the book and it could be like a, an image altogether. This is something, well. And in this case, I think we were for, it's some years ago, but probably we were interested that there was a, a hand drawing. We had different tests of the cover in the studio still. Yeah. But what we thought, okay, the, it's important that we have a drawing, a hand drawing on the top. And this is a hand drawing made by a, yeah, um, a collaborator, collaborator uh, from... Denmark who was Copenhagen. Yeah. was a student uh, that we had, and she came to our office. She was really gifted and um, was making this test of how to apply color into a cover of a project that it's inside. But it's like a parallel project because this uh, cover became a small uh, drawer for Ricardo's pen. It was my birthday, and then um, and I went to um, Argentina to Buenos Aires, and when I returned by my return. They have designed and, and built a little cup, a, cup, a one to ten scale uh, of the cardboard became became a little. You Was say, it a piece of the model that became? Uh, yeah, kind of a place for for putting my secret things. How you call the pluma? The, water fun? This this thing fountain here. Fountain yeah, fountain water fountain. Yeah. It's this thing. This is a one to ten scale thing. <laughs> Of the of the cardboard, but it's done with wood and uh, a, a carpenter. Mm. The carpenter of the of this house built it uh, because he's a very good carpenter, and mm. it's a piece. Uh, and so anyway. it was very nice because uh, hey, there is a present, a secret present from Ricardo. Can you do it? Yes, yes. So he built that. The... She. <laughs> I want to build story it. behind every cover. <laughs> yeah. So it has a kind of a story this drawing. But returning to the to the question is. Um, well, it's not so. It's, it's something it, uh, we struggle a lot with with covers. How, how you decide the ones in architectural review? <laughs> you you might be very, very, very skilled. Aesthetic, and, uh, no, of a kind of zoom out, or you know what's no. You yeah, may be I, very, I feel like the ones we do a lot are choosing like all not necessarily new images because we obviously avoid putting recent buildings on the covers. Just I think. That's part of it because it's a little bit of a statement because that's what a lot of architecture magazines do and we think that we try to be much broader than that in what we cover in the how we contextualize the work that we publish so we definitely I can't even remember last time we put a recent building on the cover actually mm. no. but no. I feel like we do quite a lot of the ones that are not necessarily recent images but we feel like they we find a new relevance to them so they mm. resonate in a different way today and so and they obviously say something about our theme but yeah quite bare aren't they we've been asked a few times why there are no words on the cover and why we don't say a bit more about what's inside them <laughs> and we just quite like that they are um they express something but don't give very much away you have to project a lot into them and they make you curious and they should make you want to open the magazine rather than give it all away mm. Mm. Yeah, mystery. And it's nice what you said that you are reusing images. So so you are working with time. Mm. Mm. Perhaps we could um talk about obviously we're doing this remotely, um, kind of atomized across Europe. Um so uh since we're in quarantine, perhaps I could ask you um if you could only take one book with mm. you into quarantine, what would it be? 
La vie, la vie Modem Pluano, de Georges Perec. One of the things is that a very thick book. I don't know if you have seen it, but it's a, it's a very long book to read. So maybe mm. in quarantine you have time to finish it. I never finished it, in fact, because <laughs> well, it was. But then we, we consulted many times for the students, for our students and all, but uh, all, sometimes jumping and giving them extracts and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's very, well, uh, we thought we thought immediately in, in the parallel to the situation we are living now, when we go out and we see all the kind of the, the different the different uh, neighbors that are all in now because before you hadn't them because everyone was working but now everyone is in house and in the evenings you see the windows and they are lighted and many times you see them what they are doing and this kind of a radiography and it's, it's like if you have uh, uncovered and then built the facade of a building uh, it's much more visible, I think now all the the, the overlapping all the kind of the superimposition of, of families, uh, and then you, also you can hear them because also through the courtyard in your house, uh, different voices, no more and the cookings and the the shouts, the screams and the TV and all that thing. So I think it's much more present the um, uh, the, the the yeah. The, pri the private, the, the privateness, the private uh, side of the society, and I think is what George uh, Perec was was uh, was explaining here. Was trying just to uh, make again a kind of a catalog or description of uh, of the different characters of the different families, mm. and um, we thought uh, especially that it was a very very um, a book that really represented this moment in a way. That everyone is concentrated in, in in the world around you, so I think it's very interesting how your world re reduces uh, to to this wall and around, because you are constantly really trying to uh, navigate or surf in the in the everyday, you know, how you handle with the work and the and the and, and the food and the sleeping and the work and etc., which in a way cycles. Uh, and then, and then the days get faster and faster because, in a way, they repeat the routine. You don't have the surprise and the, the what do we say before the casuality. the casualty of the when mm. you go out and something happens that changes your mind or your way of thinking moves your th thought somewhere else. When you're at home the whole day, the light is the same, and now, of course, afternoon I have to shut the curtains in the in the evening, and then the food, and I get to sleep, and then more. So this <laughs> this routine becomes. Uh, in a way, depresses you because uh, um, can depress you. For us, the drawing board is not just because we have the to draw, which we have, but have been a really um, uh, salvavidas, no? Um, how you say? Life therapy. Yes, therapy because to be to be into the inside the drawings, uh, inside the, the inside the drawing means in the spaces of the. Of Brussels of the future varietés and drawing them and, and discussing the problems, having really getting out of the of the everyday for hours, which in a way made us possible to to keep calm and balance and equilibrium. Because really drawing for us is allows us to keep the calm in these moments. Mm. I really enjoy that in a lot of books that you've chosen, and it's certainly the case. Um, for La Vie Mode d'Emploi, but I think it was the case for Louis Kahn and for Le Corbusier. And I know you mentioned that you're also reading Kentridge's um, Six Drawing Lessons. It's a lot of books where you can dip in 
and out. You don't have to read them kind of cover to cover. So you're almost starting to deconstruct the book slightly where you can choose where to come in and when to come out. You don't necessarily need the full thing read in its right order. I think with, like you're saying, with Perec, if you read a chapter of it, you get a sense, you get a moment of the life of that building. And, and what I really like is that you're therefore able to take what you want from these books and to recreate your own narratives through them. So they really become tools. You really use them and appropriate them and make them yours and see what they can teach you and how you can yeah appropriate them and translate some of the things that you see and find in them and then reapply them on the drawing board, which I think is a really lovely thing to see in the choices that you've made, especially when you're so interested in kind of getting under the, the skin of the and understanding the creative process and and how we get to something. I feel like these two ideas work very nicely together. Yeah, look, it's, it's all these people that which you really admire a lot and they are around you and in a way make you company in these moments of, sol of solitude of, or really... Uh, extreme situations where you feel really you there's very uncertain not only uncertainty in your drawing but in in the whole world and everything and which is really really uh really that's really panicking and then and then in the, in these moments uh you know they are they are people that they are familiar to you and they are they are great in what they do and in a way getting into those as you say diving into their book even for a while for a short while makes you really uh, feel they, they fill you with joy no? you talk about your you talk about your books and their writers like friends or acquaintances <laughs> which makes my last question even more traumatic um, <laughs> which is if you could only save five books from the bonfire yeah, what yeah. would they be and why I just wondered if you could just reel off your five The five books that you'd save from the flames, your five friends. The five friends. <laughs> yeah. But I think Eva will save the collection of his her grandfather because they are really precious. Yeah. Uh, I thought you will escape from fire, but <laughs> I have time. If I have time. <laughs> if, if they say no fire, it will, it will burn in five minutes, then maybe I will go to the bookshelf and I will take books that probably are difficult to find again. And that uh, some of them are dedicated, so that they really, it's, they are already. I will find books that for me are objects more than not only the book of what they explain, but they have other memories and things inside, so they are dedicated. Or uh, the one who edited uh, is a, a friend or is a, a relative, no? like in this case. And this collection is very beautiful, and I like them also. The the square format, everything. So I think I will, I will take five of them. The gown, the color, the mirror. And then you leave <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah, I think they will accompany me because it's more, yes, it's, it's not only the book. No? There are a lot of memories in it. Mm. It's mm, not I, only the, the content. Yeah. I, I, you take, I you take the Mafaldas with me. Mafaldas are, you know, <laughs> Are basic, uh, kind of a basic. Also uh, because they make all the way from Buenos Aires to. They came to with me, yes, and they accompany <laughs> my my sleeping table. How you say sleeping table? No, the, the table aside my my bed. They are always uh, helping me to 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 take yeah the humor. No, he 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 uses for for facing everyday's uh, situation for me is really a uh, help. 
and there's uh, and I know um, maybe all of the of the things by her, but still. I love uh, to see them again, and I enjoy and read, and I laugh a lot in the in the in the night, <laughs> uh, which is a little embarrassing. But yeah, I make me laugh. Thank you really, so much. Really, so enjoyable. You made us, you made us uh, yeah, You made us escape for a while from I'm our so routine. We had a great day with you. So it's, you made yeah. us our day. Thank you for listening. Please head to architectural-review.com to see some images of the beautiful books Floris and Pratt spoke about today, as well as a full bibliography and additional bonus material that we weren't able to fit in here. You can also find out more about Floris and Pratt and read what the AR has to say about their buildings. The AR depends on its subscribers to bring you fearless storytelling, independent critical voices and thought-provoking projects from around the world. Consider supporting the AR with a subscription today Visit architectural-review.com forward slash subscriptions to find out more. Students receive 30% off.